Hey, welcome to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. My name is Dr. Dan, longtime sports medicine physician with Texas Sport and Spine. Coming to you from deep in the heart of Texas here in our Forge Radio studio, our Docs and Jocks radio studio inside the Forge Abilene Training Facility. Man, it is great to have you be part of our show today. If you ever want to find out more about our show, myself, Dr. Dan, and my co-host, Ferris Potter, you can do so by going to docsandjocks.com. That's D-O-X-N-J-O-X.com. Ferris is a longtime sports broadcaster, currently uh, traveling on the road with... uh, uh, Grand Canyon University, where he's been out and about on their first games. Ferris, uh, great to have you back. It's good. It's your busy time of the year doing uh, basketball, sports broadcasting, but make time each week to come in and do our uh, Docs and Jock Sports Medicine radio show. NCAA is underway. Some marquee games. Lopes had their first game and now back home for three, so it's nice to be back. Absolutely. Man, we're going to talk a lot of basketball. We're talking uh, some NBA basketball with a uh, big injury to Steph Curry, the uh, former MVP. So we talk about that and more here on Docs and Jocks. Really what we like to do is talk about not only the uh, sports entertainment world for a sports medicine niche, but also we like to talk about your injuries. If you would like to uh, contact us and let us know that you have a uh, sports medicine injury, a shoulder, hip, knee injury, man, we'd be glad to put that on air and uh, try and answer your question the best we can. I'm not taking the place of your uh, sports medicine physician, but maybe I'll get you back out on the field a little quicker with some advice. would be uh, glad to do that. Just go to docsandjocks.com, click the uh, contact us button, and, uh, man, we'll be right with you. And, man, I want to say, uh, man, we, you do not want to miss our show today as we are going to have on Dr. Bobby Brown as our first guest. Dr. Brown played with the New York Yankees. He's the last living survivor of the uh, 1947 uh, World Series. He won four World Series MV, four World Series. He had 437 during his World Series career with the New York Yankees. American League president. Now uh, he's a decorated military veteran. He's a physician in the field of cardiology and the uh, father of my good friend, Dr. Pete Brown. He just recently turned 94 years of age. Former roommate with Yogi Berra. Played with the likes of Joe DiMaggio, Mickey Mantle. Some names you might have heard of there, Ferris. So won't want to miss that. And then we're going to have on in our second hour. Remember, we do have a second hour here. If our first, if you're listening to our first hour in SB nation we'll catch our second hour you can do so by going to our itunes podcast docs and jocks d-o-x-n-j-o-x we'll be talking to coach david hess who is a longtime 30-year strength and conditioning coach a legend in the strength conditioning uh, field and has recently survived prostate cancer we'll be talking about that and more and how do you stay mentally tough through all that with coach david hess hey stay tuned here on docs and jocks your sports medicine radio show myself dr dana ferris we'll be right back Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. Great to have you joining us today. Remember, you can always catch us here or on our podcast, Docs and Jocks, D-O-X-N-J-O-X, on either uh, Podcast Arena with SB Nation or with uh, our iTunes podcast, Docs and Jocks, D-O-X-N-J-O-X. Hey, Ferris, I thought we'd jump right into the sports medicine world and uh, talk about some of the injuries in the news before our interview with Dr. Bobby Brown, former New York Yankee. And so... Uh, the first big injury in the news is the Golden State Warriors, obviously uh, the team to beat in uh, all the NBA. Uh, the two-time MVP, Steph Curry, has now been uh, ruled out for the next few games, and we don't know how long he's going to be out exactly. He has been uh, diagnosed with an adductor strain, better known in your world, Ferris, as a groin injury. He uh, strained the muscles that pull his leg towards the midline. That's what adduction means. It means towards the midline. And so that group on the inner portion of your thigh, if you've ever pulled a groin and you know what that feels like, I know I've done it playing football, basketball, any kind of side cutting is when you normally get that uh, muscular injury. And Curry had a really interesting game. They were they actually got beat by the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. They got beat pretty handily. And he was a, having an offer from the three-point line. One of his first time to do that in over a year. Uh, when playing more than 20 minutes. And so he was having a really rough game. They ended up losing at 134-111. He went out in the uh, third quarter 
This now puts the uh, Golden State Warriors without Steph Curry for probably four to six weeks. It's a strain. They are going to do an MRI on his uh, adductor group, which the muscle group, to try and grade the injury. Remember, there's grades one through four. Four is a full-on rupture. One is a you feel pain in the area, but you don't see anything anatomically torn on the MRI. You can see changes on grade two uh, of the tear, but there's no discrete partial tear. Grade three is a partial tear. Grades four, complete rupture. So uh, they'll get an MRI and see where he's at. Based on that, probably anywhere four to six weeks, maybe slightly longer with the type of sport he does where he has to be cutting. But now they're without Draymond Green, their uh, star uh, power forward. He is out with a uh, toe sprain. And Sean Livingston, kind of their defensive specialist, one of those uh, kind of the fifth-man guys, he is a, uh, he's out with foot soreness. So they just lost 134-111, and uh, it's better to have these things happen in the early season. But, man, it makes uh, the Golden State Warriors a little bit vulnerable here in the early season, though they do still have Kevin Durant, obviously, and uh, Clay Thompson. So a lot of stuff that they can still do. But, man, makes you a little uh, iffy. Yeah, they're gonna they're they'll struggle a little bit without those guys. I mean, some of the lesser teams they'll 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 be able to handle, but um, you know, they the main thing with them is you know they could come in at any seed as long as they're healthy in the playoffs, you know, and he's ready to go. I think that's probably all they're worried about. But we've talked about it before, Doctor Dan. There are some injuries that yeah, four to six weeks he should be fine, but they tend to they tend to linger a little bit. And if this is one of those that lingers throughout, we saw when he was hurt in the playoffs the last time they didn't win it all, you know, so. Yeah. He, they need him. Obviously, he's the best player on that team. Whether Durant wins the MVP or Clay Thompson scores seventy, or he's the best player on that team, and they need him. Yeah, and it's a little harder to predict muscular strains than it is, like say, an ankle ligamentous uh, sprain. A, an ankle injury is a ligament that gets sprained. And remember, a ligament is what attaches a bone to a bone. It's almost always a four to six week injury, a typical grade one ankle sprain. And then you have the different different types: a high ankle sprain, which is a different ligament injury, along with the ones on the outside of your ankle. But a muscular strain, like we see the likes, we're going to talk about it later on the show, a guy like Sean Lee, it tends to be one of those recurrent injuries that you just never know if you're going to be fully able to avoid the injury bug. Sean Lee, get this, he's going to miss an entire year of his career due to hamstring strains in and of itself. Forget all the other concussions and all the multiple injuries Sean Lee's had, but over a year of his career. So, yeah, you worry about Steph Curry because – I don't think they're going to rush him back because they definitely seem like the NBA is all geared towards the playoffs now. We've talked about that right. here on the show with Popovich and sitting guys and making sure his veterans are rested. But they want him ready to go in the playoffs. So when we say four to six weeks with an adductor strain, and once again the MRI will help grade that for us, they'll give you a better idea of prognosis and length of duration of the injury. I think, you know, we're talking four to six weeks. I think it's going to be more like six to eight weeks because they'll probably err on the side of safety. They'll want him fully healed, not just – feeling good from the injury, but also able to come back and feel like he can be safe and not have it be a recurrent injury. So you're not dealing with this come February when you're looking at hitting the playoffs hard. So I think this injury is going to be a longer injury than what we uh, are predicting initially, what we'd say we just had a grade one or grade two adductor strain, a groin injury. But as you know, and you've had this, Ferris, and I say that, you know, I don't say that jokingly, I really mean this, but as you know, it's one of those injuries that it is a long-term painful injury that seems like it – it's okay when you're walking forward, but as soon as you do a cutting motion, bam, it's back on you. So, yeah, no, seriously, it's a, it's an injury that I think yours took like three months or so, not not jokingly, but it took a long time. Yeah, it took a long time, and, and I did everything wrong, you know. Like I didn't go to physical therapy, and I didn't see a doc, and I didn't do all that stuff, that, you know. So Yeah, that is an advantage so, for so, Steph Curry. Yeah, yeah, so I still I still have, you know, uh, it's still tighter on that side than it is on the other side. And I still, you know, at times, um, you know, I tweak it every now and again, not not, you know, pull like that again, but I still I can still tell. And 
you know, who knows? I Like I said, I did everything wrong. I was like, ah, it'll be fine. Yeah, the, the adductor group is one of those muscle groups that we really don't pay much attention to. I mean, when was the last time, and we've talked about this on the show before because it does play a part in what's called sports hernias. Remember, you have a muscle in your lower abs that are pulling, and then you have an antagonist muscle. Or the, which pulls a different direction. And your adductor group, the one that pulls your legs in, attaches right directly below where your lower abdominals attach. And so they kind of act against each other in a weird way. So you really need to have strong adductors if you're going to have a strong core because you want any agonist, antagonist muscle group, one a yin and a yang, for lack of a better analogy, kind of pulling one pulling against the other. You don't want one to be stronger than the other. So you really need a strong adductor group, or you end up having injuries like a sports hernia injury or an adductor strain that put you out four to six weeks. But when was the last time in the gym, you know, Ferris, though, you work out routinely that you purposely worked out your adductor group where you pulled your leg in against uh, weight forcefully? Um, I can't recall. I know. Yeah, just we don't <laughs> hardly ever do it. You'll see sometimes where people will do put a They'll have the machine where you put the uh, the wed the, the uh, rest against your inside of your thighs and you pull it together. You don't right, see that very right. often, but it is one of those groups that you need to strengthen routinely if you want to avoid injury that we don't do very often. Some of the exercises I think, like I know you are a big P90X fan, but like the side skaters where you jump to the side and you push mm-hmm. back the other direction, that is in a in a way a little bit, a little bit of an adductor because you're doing it and it's a plyometric when you're moving. It's a dynamic exercise, but it is one where you're you know as you're doing that side to side skating motion where you're jumping to the side and back towards the midline that does do it some. Right. So you're getting it somewhat in that. I think that's a pretty good overall body exercise, but um, that's it, it isn't very often you see people purposefully doing adduction strengthening. No, I mean, and yeah, so in P90X with the, with the plyo and stuff, some of the jumping and things like that. But yeah, most of it is straightforward jumping, not the back and forth yeah. like you mentioned. And most of the lifting is, you know, a lot of upper body. And if you do it, you're doing squats and things. You're just moving, you know, up and down. So Yeah, and if you want to do it and you want to make it pretty simple and you don't have to think about it, imagine putting a uh, medicine ball or something between your knees. So in, when you're doing, like, say, a squat, a body squat, you can get a ball that's about the, the length of... Uh, you know, the, the uh, width of your inner knees, and you hold that ball while you do that. So now you're not only working your entire core and your, your glutes as you're doing a squat, a body squat, mm. but you're also working your inner thighs as you do it. So there are some simple things you can do that make your uh, inner adduction uh, muscles uh, kick in. So, man, you see this happening more and more, that type of injury, hamstrings, adductor groups happening in uh, professional athletes. But it's one of those ones that if you can get them back quicker, Man, it, it makes a big difference for teams like Golden State who are now going to be without Steph Curry for probably six to eight weeks if I had to give my best guess here on Docs and Jocks. Hey, uh, Notre Dame's number three in the country right now. Their 9-0 and record currently will be uh, without their starting number one QB, uh, Ian Bach. He is now going to be, or book, he is out due to a rib injury. So he suffered the injury in his 31-21 victory last week against Northwestern. So... You know, right now, as it sits fair, you got Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Michigan, if the season were to end today, as your top four playing for the uh, title. This is a big deal, uh, even though they're going to be playing Florida State, who is unranked this week. Uh, next week, they're playing number 13, Syracuse. But you never like to have your starting quarterback go down when you're number three in the country and you're playing to be in that top four spot in uh, the NCAA Division One college football playoffs. Yeah, and they really don't have any room for error because, you know, they, they don't play in a conference. Um, they have that relationship with the ACC, and the ACC is not a very good conference. Yeah. And so a lot of their games are against unranked teams. So they're one – I mean, some of those teams you mentioned, like Michigan's got one loss. If they get one loss, they're out, I think, Notre Dame. Although Alabama, if they lose in a title game like to Georgia or something for the SEC, maybe they could sneak in. So, yeah, they, Notre Dame has zero – they have to be unscathed, in my opinion, to make the, make the top four. 
Yeah, and you know, it's a, you might say, well, what's a rib injury? Why can't he play if he has a rib injury? If anyone has ever had a rib injury, it's extremely painful, and it moves every time you breathe. So, And then you imagine somebody running into you. There's no way to prevent that completely. Though we have like one of our great sponsors, uh, Zoombang, who comes up with a uh, you know protective rib-like uh, covering that can become hard like a shell when it gets hit. But you can't take all of the movement out because you're taking bigger inspirations and expirations as you play the game of football. So if you have a small crack in your rib or maybe you tore the muscle between the ribs, uh, those things tend to be a lingering type injury. So we'll see how mm. Notre Dame does number three in the country. Hey, when we come back, we're going to have on cardiologist, former New York Yankee, Dr. Bobby Brown, talking about his time with hey, his Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine Docs radio show. My name is Dr. Dan, longtime sports medicine physician with Texas Sport and Spine. Great to have you joining us today. Hey, if you just catch our show for the first time and want to catch our entire show anytime, anywhere, go. you can do so by going to docsandjocks.com or listen to our iTunes podcast, Docs and Jocks. Hey, Ferris, we're very honored to have on one of our favorite guests of all time here on Docs and Jocks. We have online Dr. Bobby Brown. Dr. Brown is a four-time World Series champion. He was a New York Yankee spanning from 1946 to 1954. He was American League president for 10 years, also uh, interim president for the Texas Rangers. He was a physician in the field of cardiology for 25 years. He's a, a decorated military veteran. And most of all, he is, and, uh, he is the father of Dr. Pete Brown, my good friend. Uh, Dr. Bobby Brown, thank you for being on the show. I'm delighted that you called, and I'm honored. I hope we all do well. Yes, absolutely. Hey, first of all, congratulations. Just celebrated, uh, I saw your 94th birthday. Congratulations. A happy belated birthday. And I'm still upright, so that's very, very encouraging. That's good. That's good. Hey, for our listening audience, uh, one time uh, when you were on air and you've been on our show a couple of times previously, uh, formerly with uh, you came on with Doctor or uh, Bobby Richardson, your teammate, and I've heard you talk about those, and you told told me this that uh, you quoted those New York Yankee teams that you played with had no bad guys; they were all good guys. Uh, tell us what made that team so special, and what made those guys all good guys. Well, I think that's that's right. That uh, they that that was a a, a must for all the pl- players they got uh, on the Yankees when I was there. And uh, if you couldn't fit in, and you couldn't be a team player, and you couldn't do what was best for the team and not yourself, uh, you just didn't last long. Right. And it was it was just a uh, and and all those guys were were great players, but better they were great friends and everybody got along we had no arguments no fights in the clubhouse no disagreements we just did fine absolutely amazing Ferris, you have a question for dr bobby brown sure yeah doc, dr brown why why do you think that was i mean we see now you know teammates fighting and arguing it was it the money was it the way they're brought up why do you think you guys had such great team chemistry well, again, only because they picked guys that uh, that uh, come up through the minors that showed some of those traits of that they could get along, and uh, they they didn't have, they didn't tolerate anybody that uh, was strictly for himself and who didn't do what was best for the team all the time, and you just. You, when you went to the movies or you did something on off the field, uh, you didn't pick one certain guy. The first guy that came along, usually you went with him. It didn't make any difference. It was just great. Awesome. 
And you know, Dr. Brown, you've had such a remarkable life. I, I really wanted to ask the question, what kind of advice would you give a young ball player or a medical student who wishes to be successful in their fields of endeavor like you were? What are some advice you'd give to those uh, young uh, med students or baseball players uh, that uh, you've learned from your career? Well, I think for med students, uh, the, the, the most important thing is not to miss any classes and to take notes so you stay awake. Yes, absolutely. I'm there with and, you. I was one of those guys trying and, to stay awake. <laughs> and, and especially in medicine. And, yeah. And uh, you, you, you just, it, it's, it, it takes three times as much time to get, make up something that you, when you're not there as when you are there. And, of course, I'm a, an expert on that because I, got, I didn't have a chance to go to all those classes at the right time. Right. I had to make them up, and I knew that, but that was part of the being on a ball player, too. Right. But uh, that's what you have to do. You have to uh, pay attention, take notes, go to class, and, and stay in school. You know, Dr. Brown, I'm a, I'm a college baseball player. I was nowhere the caliber of baseball player you were, but I was a baseball player and then went to medical school like you did. And I felt like baseball, in a way, kind of really prepared me for medical school because I felt like that team com- chemistry that you're talking about in baseball, I, that really helped me in, in medical school, too. I found a good group of guys. We studied together. We worked together. I felt like it prepared me for medical school in a, in a, in a different sort of way. Would you agree? Well, I think the the pressure pressure situations that you get in baseball, right, right. well, they're not the same life and death you do you get as a doctor, but it 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 hones you for it, it 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 prepares you for those kinds of, of decisions that you have to make under stress, and I th- I thought it was a tremendous help, and you can sort of uh, keep your wits about you when everything is collapsing around you. Right and and it's it's a great lessons from baseball and you can just transfer it to the to the classroom or to, to the patient's room uh, as you need need to. Right, I totally agree. Hey, we're interviewing four-time World Series champion Dr. Bobby Brown. Ferris, you have a question for Dr. Brown? Yeah, Dr. Brown, you obviously love the game of baseball. Did did you enjoy your time as president of the American League? And then when you were in the front office with the Rangers, a little bit different than being on the field playing. How did you enjoy that? Well, it was like being on a vacation without those night calls. <laughs> what I was doing, that was That's just awesome. wonderful. Yeah, I, I just w- thought it was great, and uh, I enjoyed it. And uh, I was very fortunate. I had good owners. I had good umpires, and 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 uh, everything worked out fine. And uh, I did it for ten years, and then I knew it was time to uh, get, hang them up, and I did. Hey, Dr. Brown, do you still, uh, are you still ever able to make it out to a baseball game? Do you ever go out and enjoy a TCU uh, Horn Frog baseball game? You know, they're a storied program now, or maybe a Texas Ranger baseball game. Are you still able to enjoy some games either in person or on TV? Always. You know, you never see one like the other one. Yeah. Uh, something's always new. And uh, I have always followed TCU have been living in Fort Worth as uh, they have a, a wonderful baseball program here with Jim Schwarzenegger. Yeah. And uh, the, the Rangers have been very nice to me. They have, uh, ever since they built their new stadium, and I came back, and they've always uh, supplied me with some tickets. So I, I've been able to enjoy both places, and uh, I never get tired of watching it. 
Hey, we see uh, young Bryce Harper, 26-year-old Bryce Harper, who's now a free agent. It looks like he's going to be signing a uh, $400 million contract. That even that sounds like Monopoly money or something. I can't even believe I'm saying that. $400 million contract. Can you only imagine what uh, Mickey or uh, Joe DiMaggio would have commanded had they played in today's era? Well, I can imagine. <laughs> and, of course, you just have to realize that if you had a big crowd when I played, you had 45, 50,000 sometimes 62, sometimes standing room. But uh, nowadays you have that same thing, plus about 5 million watching, watching on TV. Game, right. that's, where the, that's where the demand is. Right, exactly. Ferris? Hey, Dr. Brown, I, and I don't know if you got a chance or if you've gotten much of a chance to watch the, the Major League playoffs this year and things, but, you know, Dr. Dan and I are, are a little old school in baseball and, and such, but it seems like they're uh, – Starting pitcher, if they go two or three innings anymore, it's it's a it's kind of a quality start. The way these managers are just using everybody left and right. Did you get a chance to watch that at all? And what are your thoughts about that? Well, I watched it on TV, and uh, what you uh, measured—did they win or did they lose? And if they won, they might be doing something right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way, to, great way to look Keep at it. Keep it yeah. simple, right? Break Absolutely. it down to the simplest term. The goal is to win. That's right. Hey, they what have to get twenty-seven outs? They don't tell you how to get them, but that's what you have to do. Hey, what do you think Whitey Ford would have thought of being pulled in the second or third inning uh, back in uh, you know the nineteen fifties when he was in his heyday? You think he would have let the manager take him off the field in the second inning? Well, I think with Whitey, you, you just left him alone. Yes, and <laughs> he could handle all the situations. Yeah, and uh, he had ice water in his veins, and it made no difference how big the clutch was. Uh, he he was prepared to handle it, and he was just w- one of the guys that came along just once in a generation. Hey, speaking of having ice water in your veins and being clutch, uh, that would be you, Dr. Brown. You hit four thirty seven in the World Series, I believe. This year in the World Series, I thought it was uh, very interesting to see. I actually thought of you because Steve Pierce of the Boston Red Sox, not one of the big-name players. He had a clutch World Series. He wins the World Series MVP. It had to, and in my mind, as soon as I saw him win it, I thought that's uh, Dr. Bobby Brown, you know, not the most famous Yankee, but the Yankee who came through in the World Series over and over again and was clutch when it came about the time. What, is you, what do you think makes uh, players sometimes uh, on the biggest stage have their biggest performances? Well, I think the Yankees cultivated those people. We had five or six guys who consistently could get their games up to another level, and they could get it in the big games where there was a lot of tension and pressure, and they could play and do extremely well. And I think that was the thing that was very hard to measure, and they didn't have a category for it to be examined as, uh, as an asset of a team, but we we just had good money players. We had, and when I say that, I mean people that could play with the the biggest jams in the world on. Right, exactly. Well, Dr. Brown, our interview is always too short with you. I want to say thank you. My son is a young baseball player who's 18 years old, and uh, he's going to be playing at Texas State. No matter where I've gone. Uh, across the baseball world and all of Texas and even the nation, if I mention that I've had you, Dr. Brown, 
on air on Docs and Jocks. Uh, people love you uh, across the nation as far as what you've done for the baseball world and your accomplishments as a cardiologist. I just want to say uh, thank you. Yeah, your life has been absolutely amazing. I think if you're any young baseball player, any young hopeful uh, med student, uh, I would uh, seek out the wisdom that Dr. Brown gives out and listen to these types of interviews. Dr. Brown, thank you so much, and please tell your son, uh, Dr. Pete Brown, thank you for getting you on the air again. I'll do it, and thank you very much for calling. All right. Hey, we'll be right back with more Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. Remember, you can listen to us anytime on our iTunes podcast, Docs and Jocks, D-O-X-N-J-O-X. We'll be right back with more sports medicine after this short commercial break. Okay, thanks a lot. Thank you, Dr. Brown. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. Man, it's great to have you joining us today. Hey, you won't want to miss the last minute in this uh, interview. We're going to have on lovely Miss Tracy Munton talk about our mental strength and how you can use that to become a better athlete. If you ever want to find out more about how you can uh, be evaluated and see how tough you are mentally, you can go to Docs and Jocks, click on the Edge mental strength icon, and it will take you to, the, uh, to a free evaluation that you just submit. Uh, do it online, and uh, Tracy Munton, who is certified in sports uh, psychology, will be able to uh, answer that uh, interview or that evaluation and get back with you and find out where you're tough tough and uh, where you're weak and those kind of things are mentally and to help you get back on the on the field uh, with a better mental strength so uh, hey uh, Ferris let's just uh, talk about it for a minute you and I were talking off air we, we Dr. Bobby Brown in my opinion has been my, our favorite guest we've had some great guests that is no disparagement to anybody I think anybody who's ever heard Dr. Bobby Brown or been around him uh, would agree that he is uh, just an amazing remarkable person but I love talking to him because he has done so many incredible things in his life. I mean, this is a guy who is a decorated military veteran, a four-time World Series champion, who went to cardio, who went to medical school while he was playing baseball for the Yankees, became the first cardiologist in Fort Worth. He has been the, not only American League president, he was the, the uh, Texas Rangers president. His sons and, and daughters have done remarkable things in their life. A great father, a man who was married to his wife for 61 years before he passed, said she was a perfect wife. I mean, they call him the Golden Boy. I mean, I know why they call him the Golden Boy, because he is. Is the Golden Boy. That is a perfect nickname for Dr. Bobby Brown. 94 years old, man. Sharp yes. as a tack, too. Amazing. Heard I better mean, than half our guests on, on air. I mean, just Yeah, <laughs> witty, everything. I, You know, we've interviewed him so much in, in the past, too, and I still remember about him, that that story when he was, what, rooming with Yogi, and, yeah. and, and Yogi would Yogi would read a comic book, and he'd be reading his medical book, and Yogi, <laughs> when he finished one, would throw down the comic book and say, Wow, that was good. How does yours end? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Dr. Brown was reading a book uh, uh, studying on pathology or something crazy. <laughs> right, so, right. Yeah, Yogi's I, reading comic books. I, I could one of the, my favorite stories. I'll tell some of the stories that Dr. Brown has told in the past. Uh, one of my favorite ones was uh, Mickey Mantle and he were playing catch right before the opening day game of uh, the Yankees season. And Mickey Mantle has just gotten there, but he's already a star with the Yankees as he as he quickly became. And so they're playing catch, and there's a reporter there who's, who's uh, taking pictures of Mickey. And uh, he falls over, and he, he, he uh, has had a heart attack. Dr. Brown has literally just finished his medical degree. He's just become a doctor. Uh, and so he goes over, and he has, tries to administer what CPR on him. So they take him to the locker room, and he's unresponsive, and they continue doing CPR. Well, eventually uh, they call it, and uh, the, young, the, the photographer has passed away. And Dr. Brown said he uh, kind of stepped back, and Mickey was standing there, and Mickey looked at him with that Oklahoma draw and said, uh, Well, Bobby, uh, was that your first patient? And Dr. Brown thought about it and said, well, Mick, I just graduated school like uh, yesterday, so uh, I guess it was. And Mickey looked at him and said, oh, heck, it's got to get better than that. (laughs) 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 Oh, one of my favorite stories of all time he told on air, but he has so many of them. I also love his simplicity of how he answers questions. One time I made the mistake, and I haven't made it since, of asking him uh, to rank players. Like I said, who was the greatest uh, pitcher you faced in your era? 
And to his response, and it's absolutely correct, he said, son, these are big league pitchers. They're all great. And I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's obvious. I thought about asking that one more time. I was going to go, let me see. Maybe it's been a year or two. Maybe he's softened. But then when I asked him about if he likes them taking pitchers out early, and he said, well, did they win? you got to get 27 outs. I mean, they don't tell you how to get yeah, them. Yeah, so is that a like, good oh, idea or a bad idea? Well, did they win? If it's a good idea, it's, it's, if they lost, it's a bad idea. Yeah, absolutely. But he did say that Yogi, or Whitey Ford would not have been Whitey taken out not. early. Whitey would not have allowed well, that to occur. Yeah, I mean, you know, when Sparky Sparky Anderson kind of, you know, years ago put in the closer, and guys hated that. I mean, pitchers went nine innings. You pitched. You yep. pitched the whole day until the game was over, and then you came back and pitched a couple days later. And so when Sparky came in and said, no, no, we're going to have a, a fresh arm in the ninth, and sometimes seventh, eighth, and ninth, guys hated that. But now it's become natural. So this, yeah. this new thing, I hope it doesn't become natural because I hate it, but to his point, if guys start winning that way, look at the Tampa Bay Rays. They started doing it during the season, having yeah. a starter. You know? Yep. And just using their bullpen. And now, if you're a mid-relief guy, I mean, it, you don't make as much money as, you know, what did Kershaw just sign, $35 million a year? Well, that's that's 10 mid-relief guys right there, you know? Yeah, so, amazing. Who knows? It is true, though. I was not embellishing in any way, shape, or form when uh, I was talking to uh, the Texas State head baseball coach and the uh, the recruiting coordinator, uh, Ty Harrington, and uh, Steve Trout. Both have been on our show here before. And I was talking to uh, Coach Harrington, and I was he was asking about the radio show and asking some of the guests we had on. So I named off some of our what I think are, are top-notch guests, and, and I get, named them off. And he was like, oh, that's nice. And then I said, well, I've had uh, – because he's a baseball guy. I said, we've had Dr. Bobby Brown on. He goes, you had Dr. Bro- Bobby Brown on? You've had Dr. Brown on your radio show? And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah. And he goes, oh, every time I go to a TCU game, man, I try and sit next to Bobby Brown so I can learn something from Dr. Brown. <laughs> I mean, he was like, man, I was part of the club, man. And Dr. Brown has that kind of reputation in the baseball world because he's done so many things. Played with the greats in the, with the New York Yankees. He becomes American League president, says it's one of the greatest jobs he ever had. So he gets to know all those players that go through that era and uh, just has a crazy, crazy cool reputation to still get making it out to TCU, Horn Frog Games. Again, they're a great program with Coach Schlossnagel there. So, yeah, that guy has a, a wide swath of admirers across the baseball world for sure. That's the only thing you can hope in, in life, right, Ferris? I mean, you being a broadcaster, wouldn't you like to be remembered someday? A guy that really loved his job and did the best he could and, and uh, you know, made it, made it enjoyable and fun for everybody else. The same thing with me as a physician. I mean, that would be a great legacy. Yeah, I was I was actually going to ask Dr. Brown when he when he dropped that the Rangers always get him tickets whenever he needed. I was going to ask him if he could hook us up next time <laughs> we're in town. And maybe maybe we could go to a game. We'll pick him up. We'll take him. Sit by him, dude. How cool would that be? Yeah, you know what? I almost I'd in a weird in way. In I love the Rangers. I go to opening day with my good friends uh, Ron Butler and uh, Joe Crawford and some of that and Chris Seal, a bunch of good guys. We go to the game opening day every year of the Rangers. But I almost went to a point in my career where I I love college baseball. I mean, it's one of the sports that maybe doesn't get quite as much. Uh, glam on uh, you know the big stations that play the right. games, but it feels to me when I watch a college baseball game, even a TCU game, that I'm part of the atmosphere. Where sometimes I feel like the Rangers, you know, it's kind of hard in the big giant stadiums, but I still get the vibe of when I watch a college baseball game is like I really like to be on the field playing right now because it just feels Why like. Why do you you're, think you're that there. is? I think it's a smaller environment. I think the players are much more. Uh, playing for the passion of the game, the somewhat too, because when I watch players like. You know, they're just different styles. When I watch the Manny Machados of the world, I feel like they're going through the motions sometimes. He doesn't – he even says, I'm not Johnny Hustle. Well, I like to watch Johnny Hustle, right? I like right, those guys. Right, yeah. And I feel like if you don't do that in college baseball, you don't get ahead. There aren't very many players in college baseball that aren't giving up their 100% all the time because they're trying to get to the next level, you know, which is uh, playing professionally at minor league level. And they're playing for a coach who has – you know, they, he has some, you know – 
uh, what's the word, uh, authority to be able to sit you on the bench if you don't. You got a lot of authority. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he owns you once you. <laughs> right. Yeah, and they're not. They're once not, you go there, right? Exactly. You know? Yeah. So you have no leverage. I like college baseball games. Smaller environment. Players are more into it. A lot more hustle. And it's a lot more unknown because professional major league baseball players are so incredibly good. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, you don't see a lot of the crazy games. You don't see a ten run comeback very often. You well, know, people so. wonder too. They're like, "Oh, why don't the guys try to bunt to get on one?" Because the, the pros make those plays every they make time. Them. They're like, so good. They just, I mean, it's it's when a guy makes an error in the pros, it's like, "Holy cow, how do you make that error?" Like yeah. there were plays in the World Series that Manny Machado made, that Brock Holt made, who's not a household name, and I'm going. That's an incredible – people don't think about it. That's an unbelievable play he just made, going in the hole, behind second base, sliding yeah. on his knee, picking it up, throwing as he's falling down a strike to first. You keep, I mean, college guys, when they make it, it's like, holy cow, you know? So, yeah, I think that's part of it too. I, I love the college game too. Um, and also because I think, you know, now and in the pros a lot of times, we just see – I mean – that World Series was a lot of fun in some ways, but in other ways, it was just a bunch of big guys for the Dodgers trying to hit home runs. And I'm like, Uncle, I'm tired of this. Nobody's playing baseball anymore. You know, they're yeah. they're not hitting and run. They're not running, they're going first to third. They're not stealing. They're not, you know, yep. squaring up to bunt and then hacking. And I get why you don't do it in the majors because, you know, you, it, it doesn't work as well. Yeah. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I like I like college ball. I like high school ball. I like watching those guys run around and stuff. But if I could have a bucket list wish. I would love to sit and watch a TCU baseball game with Dr. Bobby Brown. How fun would that be to pick his brain for an entire two-and-a-half, three-hour game and uh, be able to do it on the – You've got to be on your toes. Yeah. <laughs> you, you ask him a, que- a dumb question. Yeah. You look at you, well, Dr. Dan, what did I – I really thought maybe I kind of overstepped the boundaries when I asked him, uh, you know, Bryce Harper's getting ready to sign a possible $400 million contract. Yeah. Uh, what do you think Mickey and Joe DiMaggio would demand? And I was starting to think, uh, you know, that, that maybe stepped the line because they're kind of a comparing them. But, no, he, he said they would have made a lot of money. Absolutely. Don't you think Mickey Mantle, coming out of Oklahoma when he was 19 years old, would have made a lot of money? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, it's interesting, right? Because I love Bryce Harper. I like the way he plays the game. He's a super talent. But what did he hit, like 240 last year? 249. Yeah. How, just... do you, how do you get – I mean, I mean, literally, look, I love him. I think he's fantastic. But he is nowhere near – the class of Mickey Mantle or Willie Mays or those guys yet. Yeah. Now, could he be? Maybe. But is he the best player in the game right now? Not, I don't think he is. But does he project out to be? Yeah. So they're kind of paying him, you know, on the hope that he goes back to that one year. I don't know if he won the MVP when he hit like 300 yeah. and did those yeah. things. But, you know, but it, dude, that's crazy money. And they're talking the Phillies might sign him and Manny Machado. Have, oh, have no, 75 man. million a year wrapped up in two guys. Two guys, yeah. Ah, Can you win it with two guys? And don't pitch. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how you do it. I, do I, not, I think that'd be the death of them. The key to both those that. guys is they both started really, really young. I believe they, uh, was it 2010 draft? Uh, Harper was first, and Machado was three. I don't know who the number two guy is, but he has a lot of expectations to live live up to for Bob sure. Bob Finkelstein <laughs> is it really selling cars? <laughs> and, no, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but so they, I think Machado was twenty, and oh uh, Harper was nineteen. I believe that's how it went down. So now what happened was they got through that first wave, so their big contract is coming in their prime. Whereas Albert Pujols, you know, was older, so his big contract came. He was almost thirty years old by the time he signs his first big contract. So Bryce Harper and Manny Machado now are sitting at the. Uh, you know, 26 years old and, and in their prime and getting ready to sign the big one. Who was it? James Talon, the pitcher for the Pirates, oh. who is supposed to be a stud, but he has been battling injuries Injury. his entire career. Exactly. Is he, the, he might have been the guy who got cancer, too. I can't remember. Oh, my goodness. So, exactly. yeah, once again, injuries. But a great, man. A great pitcher, but uh, 
just injuries. Why do we always say you got to be incredibly talented and you have to avoid the injury bug? And you got to have some good timing, by the way. You can be talented and not seen. So you got to get seen and talented. So those things have to happen, but then you got to avoid the injury bug. Yeah. Yeah. Tommy John surgery in 2014, and then he had testicular cancer, and he seems to be fine uh, after going through that. But just like we talked about, you're right. I mean, this kid was going to be the right handed Clayton Kershaw, whatever, and injuries. Man, I bet the Pirates would think of the change in the franchise that they would have had had they picked Manny Machado. You know, they really had kind of hard, had a hard time trying to fill in that third base spot, having Machado over there or shortstop even, anchoring that down the left side of the field. Yeah. Man, that would have been a big difference, but you never, never know because you can't predict the injury bug. So that's exactly what happened to the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates. I mean, that's, that's a game changer. I mean, you yeah. have a pitcher that yeah. sits on the bench and has Tommy John surgery and unfortunately is, has a devastating uh, diagnosis of testicular cancer, and then, uh, you know, you never, never pick uh, Manny Machado. Hey, speaking of which, you won't going to miss this uh, coming up in our second hour. If you only catch our first hour here on SB Nation, uh, we could get, we have a second hour, and you can catch that on our podcast at Docs and Jocks, D-O-X-N-J-O-X, and on your iTunes. And we're going to have uh, David Hess, 30-year strength and conditioning coach who uh, – Found out he had prostate cancer, just went through surgery. They think they've got it, but he's going to be talking about the mental toughness that it takes in an athlete to go through cancer and those types of things. Exactly what we're talking about here with the number two overall pick in 2010. So won't want to miss what's coming up here on Docs and Jocks. Hey, we uh, love our guests here, and we love uh, having Dr. Bobby Brown on. If you ever want to go back and listen to an interview like the one we just had with Dr. Bobby Brown, uh, four-time World Series champion with the New York Yankees, you can go back and listen to that anytime, anywhere by going to docsandjocks.com. D-O-X and J-O-X and we'll be right back with more of your sports medicine radio show see you on the other side I have found that so many times the difference in success in athletes is not necessarily their skill or talent level but how they internally view themselves and what is going on in the game around them for so many athletes the only major adjustment they need to make in taking their game up a notch is thinking and believing more positively Many athletes are not even aware of negative internal talk going on inside their heads, so just becoming aware of it is a great first step in improving their game. The great coach Nick Saban once said, develop an attitude that you simply cannot be beaten, that you are an overpowering force. You may be surprised how positive thinking impacts your performance. Here at the Edge Mental Strength Training, we work with athletes to help them develop the skill of more positive thinking. Anyone can click on our link at docsandjocks.com and take a free mental strength assessment to learn their strengths and weaknesses in their mental game. You can contact us at the Edge Mental Strength Training by clicking on our link. Hey, welcome Docs back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. Hey, this is our closing segment here on our SB Nation podcast or our radio show, but our second hour of our show you can listen to anytime. Uh, listen to it starting tonight at www.docsandjocks.com, or you can subscribe to our podcast, Docs and Jocks, D-O-X-N-J-O-X, and uh, you can listen to us or follow us on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Hey, Ferris, I thought our last segment here we could talk about Lavian Bell coming back. You know, we've talked a lot of, a lot about him uh, just in general, but from, a, but, from an, <laughs> but from an injury standpoint, uh, Lavian now is going to be who's been a holdout running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers. If you haven't heard that, you haven't been watching uh, them been on the planet Earth here. But uh, he is poised to come back now because James Conner, remember James is our one of our favorite players of all time because Love he him. overcame lymphoma in college. He's a lymphoma survivor, and he's had a spectacular season. But now he is in the concussion protocol after getting uh, taken a shot by Luke Keithley uh, last uh, night in the uh, game. Uh, Pittsburgh played un- unbelievably well against the Carolina Panthers. But my question for you, Ferris, do the Steelers need Bell? I mean, that's somebody do you really feel like they need him at this point in time? 
Sure. Yeah. yeah. He's really, really good. I mean, <laughs> do they, can they win without him? Yeah. But does he make it a heck of a lot easier? And if, if, uh, Connor comes back to have both those guys, absolutely. I don't like him. Don't like what he's doing. I did. He has the right to do it. Not a big fan of how he's doing it and all that stuff. That being said on the field, once a game starts, absolutely. You want that guy on the field with you. Yeah, I know, and he is such incredible talent. But, I mean, it's almost like uh, James Conner has made uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers fans, in, in a way, almost forget about him. So it's been an yeah. amazing run he has had. And the fact that he's overcome lymphoma, we love the uh, overcoming story here on Docs and Jocks. Now, if you ever want to share your overcoming story, if you have a great sports medicine story where you've overcome uh, an injury or a disability to go on and do great things, man, we would love to hear that on Docs and Jocks. It's one of our favorite things to do. We've had the blind long staffer from USC come on the show. We've had some people with some incredible uh, stories behind what they've done and we'd love to talk about that here on the show so just contact us at docsandjocks.com d-o-x-n-j-o-x.com click the contact button and uh, send us your story and we'll get you here on air from myself dr dan longtime sports metaphysician and my co-host ferris potter if you're just listening to our first hour here on sb nation man so long if you want to catch our second hour go to docs and jocks and hear us on itunes we'll see you until next week bye-bye Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. Man, my name is Dr. Dan, coming to you from inside, deep in the heart of Texas, inside the Docs and Jocks radio studio. Man, we love having you be part of our show, and you can contact us anytime, anywhere by going to docsandjocks.com, D-O-X-N-J-O-X.com. Joined by my co-host each week, Ferris Potter. Ferris is the voice and sports broadcaster for Grand Canyon University out in sunny Phoenix, Arizona. And Ferris, I thought uh, before we jumped on to some of the other sports medicine news, I want to finish up. We were talking about Notre Dame, number three in the country right now, losing their starting quarterback. They're 9-0 and as they stand right now, but they lose their starting quarterback. A couple other teams in the hunt. Uh, Washington State, and I bring them up because if you ever want to go back and listen to a really fun interview, you can go back and listen to our interview we had with our head coach, Mike Leach. And, uh, man, once again, if you come on Docs and Jocks, good things happen to you. I'm just telling you, Darren Woodson gets in the ring of honor. Mike yeah. Leach is now in the hunt for the uh, you know NCAA Division I uh, playoff berth. So a lot of good things happening. And if you want to learn not only about football that Mike Leach taught us here on Docs and Jocks, he also talked about Geronimo the Indian and uh, a pirate, uh, a lot about pirates because he likes pirates and Geronimo and Indians. So anyway, kind of cool. He's guy. an interesting cat, isn't yes, he? Yes, he is. So he's just, a unique individual. Yep. I just want to remind everybody that you can do that. So Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Michigan is assist right now. Georgia, Oklahoma, LSU, Washington State, West Virginia, Ohio State sitting on the outside. So they need eight, right? They need to go to eight. Yeah, they'll be. It's eventually going to do that. They're going to open yeah. it up eventually, just to make it make it even more appealing to everybody. You still got to keep the uh, other bowl games uh, have some interest in them, but everybody wants to be in that playoff berth for sure. Hey, yep. hey, we talked about this. Uh, we talked about the game with uh, James Conner getting the uh, concussion, being placed in the concussion protocol for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now uh, giving uh, Le'Veon Bell a uh, opportunity to get back mm-hmm. and play with the Steelers uh, in his uh, first game back with them. Uh, an interesting story on that. They were going to talk about Le'Veon Bell maybe coming back, and then he was going to feign an injury. Remember we talked about that, but then he was also yeah. on social media playing basketball before he came back. So I think the uh, I think he's actually going to play. But the other big story I thought injury news. Uh, in that, from that game where the Steelers annihilated uh, the Panthers and played so well, Ben Ben Roethlisberger played literally almost a perfect game as a quarterback. I think he had a perfect or near perfect passer rating, which is unheard of in fantasy football. But the big the big uh, sports medicine story was the hit he took to the head. Remember, he's running down the field. He's trying to get a few more yards. He slides a little late. Eric Reed is coming across for the Panthers, and 
doesn't go helmet to helmet, but catches Big Ben in the shoulder with his shoulder pad straight to the head. The head goes back, hits the turf, which is probably the most common way people get those uh, concussion, concussion, concussions is they bank off the turf. But what was your feeling, Ferris, about that? We'll talk about it on the other side. That's going to have to be a tease. you got a short segment here. We'll be right back with more Docs and Jocks, but we'll get Ferris's answer to that question and more here on Docs and Jocks Sports Medicine Radio Show. You're listening to Docs and Jocks, brought to you in part by Buffalo Wild Wings, First Financial Bank, and MDI Abilene. Touchdown. Now back to more Docs and Jocks with Dr. Dan and Ferris. Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. Great to have you join us here in our second hour. If you ever missed our first hour, maybe the one we carry on SB Nation, you can listen to that by going to uh, docsandjocks.com, D-O-X-N-J-O-X.com. There we'll have the whole entire two-hour show for you. Hey, Ferris, uh, we teased it before the commercial break. Big Ben takes a late slide in his game against the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Eric Reed comes over, hits him with his shoulder pad, gets ejected from the game for a, a head hit and a head contact to Big Ben. Did you think it was an illegal hit? Did you think it was a late slide? Do you think Eric Reed could have controlled it better? Did you think it was dirty? Where, where were your thoughts at it? Um, I, man, I, my answer is, I don't know. I don't know what's an illegal hit. I don't know what's this. I, I didn't feel like it was as late as everybody of a slide as everybody's talking about. I, I thought he went down with plenty of time. And I think the guy was just, uh, I, I do think the way the rules are now, it was an illegal hit. I mean, he was sliding. I thought he had time to pull up off of that. And he led with the shoulder right at the head level. So yeah, I thought it was an illegal hit. I don't, I didn't know you could get ejected for that targeting. I don't know if he should have been ejected necessarily. I don't think he's trying to take his head off. I think he's just trying to make a good, hard, hard tackle. But, you know, I, the game is so fast. And, yeah, Ben that wanted to get those extra yards to get the first down, and then he slid. But I didn't – I don't know. I didn't feel like it was a super late slide. I hear people say, oh, it was a late slide. I, I thought it was like every other quarterback I've seen slide like that. But – once again, we talk about it all the time. If you're a defensive player, you're in such a weird position yeah. because you have to be careful. You have to watch out, but you can't play the game trying to be careful because we've seen it before. The Chiefs lost a game because they wrapped up Tom Brady. Yeah. They thought, oh, I don't want to get a penalty. They let go of Tom Brady and he threw a touchdown pass. Now, yeah. they might still lost that game, but so I don't know what you do if you're a defender, but I, I just thought it was a bang-bang play and... Yeah, probably late. I'm waiting probably for the first hit. quarterback that does a uh, starts to slide, like pretends like he's sliding, yeah. and then gets up and runs. That'll be interesting the first time that happens. That's going to happen. We kind of act like you're going to go down, and then you just keep on going. Yeah, then now, they got to put a rule. Oh, if you fake a slide, it's, it's like penalty. flopping it's in coming. the NBA or something. Yeah, it's coming. Yeah, it's you crazy. Know, you know, it's coming. I mean, did you think it was? Did what did you think about it? Did you think it was a late slide and it was a? I really thought Eric Reed also? tried to avoid the helmet to helmet contact, and he just didn't get his shoulder pad off far enough to miss the head. You know, once again, if you got a guy who runs a four 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 three forty, and he's coming full speed at you, and then you, yeah. you decide to slide because he, you know, Big Ben, you know, he, he can run the ball, so he could have mm-hmm. gone further. When he goes down, it doesn't make automatically the safety who's coming over stop immediately. Could he have uh, tried to uh, avoid even further missing his head? Yeah, probably. But we did see that event happen too. Remember, there was a player not too long ago that didn't want to land on the quarterback, so he tried to jump yeah. over him and ended up rupturing his ACL. So if Eric Reed pulls up so. at an awkward, weird angle to jump over Ben Roethlisberger, you know he puts himself in injury. It's just one of those plays. And, t- and right now, what's happening is they are erring on the side of safety, because for the longest time they erred on the side of the big hit. 
You know, it was mm-hmm. okay to take a big hit. It was just part of the game. It was the way you played it. It was old school. Definitely, when I played football in high school, and I know I'm dating myself, they actually said, if you want to give somebody a big hit, put your head down, hit him with the top of your crown of your helmet. Crazy, ludicrous, dangerous thing to do in multiple different ways, not only to your brain, but also to your neck. And uh, so we used to err on the side of, you want to take a player out? You want to hit him really hard? You want to show how tough you are? You want to show him you can punch mm-hmm. him in the mouth? You did things like spear people. Now we've realize that there are ramifications to that, that you can have long-term sequela neurologically from that, whether it's, you know, it's chronic traumatic encephalopathy, CTE, or you can have neck injuries mm-hmm. like we saw with the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers linebacker. And so now we're erring on the side of safety. I don't necessarily disagree with it being a penalty. It's just incredibly hard for a safety to pull up going full speed at a full-grown man running full speed who decides to slide. It's just going to happen sometimes. This time it happened. I think he should have got the penalty. I don't know if I would have ejected, ejected him from the game because he did try to avoid the head contact with his helmet, and it ended up being his shoulder shoulder pads instead. So that's my my two cents. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I, I, I think you could call the penalty there, throw the flag, obviously. But, yeah, I don't know about the ejection because, to your point, it, it's the same thing with targeting. It's just so hard. The game's moving so fast. You're trying to, pick, it's, I'm, I'm, you're trying yeah, to determine intent then, right? It's intent. Yeah, yeah and so – so very, very difficult to try and say, did the guy intend to do it? You know, was he targeting him on purpose? I guess, you know, you got to say that Eric Reed did hit him with a shoulder pad. It did hit his helmet. The helmet goes down, hits the ground, could have had a concussion. So you don't want to see the Pittsburgh Steelers yeah. playing the rest of the season without Ben Rossberger because he has concussions. You and I have talked about this. Backup quarterbacks in the NFL aren't all that fun to watch, typically. There's the occasional yeah. Kurt Warner of the worlds so that happens that, you know, you, you win the lottery and your backup quarterback's better than your starting quarterback. But that doesn't happen very often. It's never happened for the Arizona Cardinals, by the way. Never. I've watched. I'm an Arizona Cardinal no. fan. Ferris has no, been a game with Arizona Cardinals. They've, they've always had great. They've always <laughs> had great guys. Great guys throwing to uh, Larry Fitzgerald and those guys. Yeah, no. yeah, it's been been hard to watch for sure. No, and that and that's and that's honestly the, the NBA, the NFL knows that they're like the NBA. You know, they're they are people do watch for specific Yo, players. Absolutely. Baseball, it's more about the team. Hockey, it's probably more about the team. There's only a few, and and. You know the Steelers are a team that are going to be up there in the AFC Championship hunt with the Chiefs and the and the Patriots, and so you know you got to protect those quarterbacks because you take him out of it, and that that team becomes above average still, but not not a not a playoff team. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. Hey, speaking of quarterbacks and injuries, you and I talked about this on Docs and Jocks previously that we would be very nervous if we were the parents of Alan Bowman, the starting quarterback for Texas Tech, who suffered mm-hmm. a partially collapsed lung uh, early in the season. I believe it was September 29th. He then uh, gets cleared. He comes back from the parcel. We, we documented that. If you want to hear, go back and listen to what we talked about with a pulmonologist uh, that we talked to about his injury. That You can go back and do that by listening to docsandjocks.com. But he reinflated his lung. He was cleared to go back, wasn't having any pain. And we both said it's such a rare injury that it's going to be very nerve-wracking if, if we were his parents to watch him take those hits again because whatever weird thing that happened the first time where he did it doesn't make it more prone to happen again. Is this a kid who can have a partially collapsed lung? Well, sure enough, right. he goes and he does it again. He has another partially mm-hmm. collapsed lung. He's playing on October 20th, and uh, he suffered a recurrent partially collapsed lung against Oklahoma. He's now been released from the hospital. Thank goodness he's okay uh, from a life standpoint. We're talking about heart and lungs and brains. And, you know, That's a life standpoint. He's doing okay, and he has now rejoined, quote, team activities. So I don't think that means playing football again. But this is the second time in a very short period of time the Texas Tech quarterback has had a what we call a pneumothorax, where you collapse your lung and air escapes into the thorax, your chest cavity. And it's just bizarre that it happened the first time, 
and now it's happened a second time. My question to you, Ferris, if even if they say your your son could play and he's had it happen twice, would you let him go back to play football? I mean, this is a guy so that has we, an NFL aspiration. Yeah, I mean, obviously he's got a proclivity to this injury, but it's not typical that you would have an injury like this happen multiple times. So is it is it just bad luck twice or is there something about the way you play or whatever? I mean, I would you'd obviously be very nervous about it. Knowing the kid, he's probably going to want to go back and play. But um, yeah. I don't know, as as the school and as the physician, what would you advise a kid like that? Because from a medical background, once you're healed, it shouldn't happen again, right? But it did. That's the whole thing, but that it yeah. happened a second time. So there has to be something, I believe, intrinsic to Alan Bowman that now makes that happen. And whether or not that can be proven under some type of study or not, I'm not akin to the field of pulmonology well enough to know the fine details of once you've had uh, air escape into the lungs from a hard hit and it happens a second time, is that because you've now created a pathway? I know people who have bad disc in their back. There's, let me put it in my world for a minute. So I take care of a lot of injuries to athletes who've had, you know, back injuries are very, very common in every sport and every walk of life. If you have an injury to your disc in your back and it creates a tear in the disc, you are then more inclined to have that happen again, even if it heals completely the first time. The next time you go out and you get hit and bent forward and put stress to your disc, because you had the first injury, it's more likely to happen again. I just don't know if that's the case when you're talking about someone who's had a lung injury and leaked air into their lungs and they've had it happen a second time. In my opinion, just guessing from what I know of the case, I don't know if I would let a guy go back a third time knowing that he's had two dropped lungs, you know, partially collapsed lungs, because something is happening happening that's allowing him to have that injury, which is rare in the first place, reoccur in such a short period of time. I guarantee that the case, the pulmonologists who are involved in this case are going to do a lot of testing to try and figure out, is there something that makes this young player prone to having that type of injury? Because, like you said, to your point, it just doesn't happen much less once, but twice. So, so if you can't prove it and the family's looking at you as a physician for advice, do you just tell them, hey, these are the facts, I assume something's here, but we can't prove it, so at the end of the day, it's your decision? I mean, you tell the school the same thing? Will the school let him out on the field? Uh, if you get a uh, medical release, and uh, you really, yes, they, I think they would have let him back out on the field. Now, I've had this situation happen with a player. Whoop, I've got a short, man, I'm going to tell you my story right when I come back here on Docs and Jocks about you the player I had. can't do it in 20 seconds? I can't do it in 20 seconds because it's such a cool <laughs> injury, or not a cool injury, but a unique injury. We'll have to talk about it more here on Docs and Jocks on the other side of this short clip. You're listening to Docs and Jocks, brought to you in part by West Texas Neurosurgery, Abilene Tech, and Sports Clips. Touchdown. Now back to more Docs and Jocks with Dr. Dan and Ferris. Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. My name is Dr. Dan, longtime sports medicine physician with Texas Sport and Spine, joined each week by my co-host Ferris Potter, the voice of Grand Canyon University. And Ferris, we have on the legend is coming on Docs and Jocks with us, Coach David Hess, who's a 30-year strength and conditioning coach who has trained every uh, NFL athlete that ever come out came out of the uh, big country area where our show is broadcast. Numeral, numerous, numerous uh, NFL athletes such as Daniel Manning, Clyde Gates, Bernard Scott, you name it. There's lots of them. We could go on and on for hours, Coach Hess, hours. about your legendary status. <laughs> also, uh, arm wrestling champion of Texas times two. That's uh, incredible. Also a man that bench pressed 500 pounds when he was age 50. Now, the most remarkable thing that he's just accomplished was he uh, found out he had prostate cancer and had uh, prostate surgery, had it removed, and it looks like they've gotten the prostate cancer. So not only has he beaten everything else in his life, but it looks like now even cancer has been beaten by Coach David Hess. Did we say that uh, with you know, uh, in a little bit light, Coach? But, uh, man, talk, first of all, thanks for being on the air. Yes. Uh-huh. 
So tell us a little about uh, when you found out you had cancer and uh, what that was like. I mean, every one of us here, and, and, and you being an athlete yourself, by the way, three-sport athlete in college, baseball, track and field, and football. Uh, you being an athlete yourself, always being around athletes, always talk about mental toughness is one of the things that you do more than any other strength and conditioning coach I've ever been around. Talk about the mental side of when you got the C word, the cancer word, and, and what that was like. Well, I tell you, it was just random. I had no symptoms, nothing. My wife said, go get a blood test. Just out of the blue. Partly because a good friend of yours had good recently friend of mine been. just recently had prostate last year, didn't really keep up with it, ends up having stage four. So she said, just go do it. You did it two years ago. It was perfect. Let's do it again. This time, not so perfect. And yeah. I just caught it. And uh, mm-hmm. PSA went from 2.8 to 6.9. So he says, get some biopsies done. Had 12 biopsies done over here at Hendrick Hospital. And out of the 12, nine were cancerous. So my wife calls a good friend of mine in Dallas, Joel Wells, and says, you know, can you help a us out? A former athlete of yours is yes. now a doctor. We just interviewed Dr. Bobby Brown, who's a baseball player who became a doctor. You had that same yeah. thing. Joel. One of your best baseball players you ever had that became a doctor. And yeah. I, so I, my wife said, can you help us out with a doctor? Something, you know, just we didn't know what to do. Within 10 minutes, Dr. Klaus Walburn from UT Southwestern, the head of urology, calls Heather at home and says, let's get down here. I got your paperwork. Let's go. And I uh, met yeah. him on a Wednesday. had surgery on Thursday. And uh, so far, so good. They said wow. they got it all. They got it all. The- I think one of the amazing things, too, Coach, uh, that, you know, I've learned from this from afar, you've always talked to me about uh, the, this uh, business you do of, of sports training, of you know, being a strength conditioning coach, a performance coach, whatever you want to call it, you've always talked about it being a job of relationships. How if a person buys into you and you have a relationship and he knows that you have his best at heart, that that person will train as hard as he possibly can for you. And it's about relationships. When you were diagnosed with cancer, talk about all the people that called you, that have been sending you well wishes, that have texted you, that came to the hospital. It was actually, uh, it was really, really cool to see. It was almost overwhelming as one friend watching another friend go through that, all the people that you've had uh, call you and comment to you. It was unbelievable. I never had experienced that before. And, you know, I people in boot camp, I'll have my prayer group, you know, praying for you. There was groups here at Tuscola, Lawn, California. NFL players Houston, saying, hey, I want to when is the surgery? I want to be there. Yeah. And uh, so it was just that part of it, like I said, it, it all starts back, you know, from the beginning when you strike these relationships up and the friends you make. And it's just incredible what I, the people I talk with and just, it was, I, I can't even tell you. Yeah, what it meant to me, right, Ferris? Coach, yes, that's amazing, and it goes back to the the the, the main relationship. Listen to your wife, right? Yes. Your wife tells you to go eat the. <laughs> you do what no your idea. wife says. You have no idea, and uh, like I said, we just did it out of out of a whim. Just just go do it and check it out. And I said, okay, I don't even have a doctor here. I had to make up a name to put on my sheet. To- did you use my name? Oh, yeah. Yes, he did. I guarantee you. I'm not your family doctor. I'm, that's what they treat me you like, Ferris. They do. I'm a sports medicine doctor, but they all make I me their family doctor. I do Arizona. Your doctor, like, it works. So it's worked every time. So, but yeah. Yeah. Just what, what, what were your thoughts? I mean, you talked about it, and you're, you're a guy that, you know, you, you, you just kind of seem to have that mentality of just, hey, whatever it takes, get the job done. What was your thought, though, obviously, after the shock of, like, are you, are you kidding? What well, was your thought process? Well, I think back, my dad died of it, my granddad died of it, and I thought, why didn't I do this a long time ago? Mm-hmm. So, really, it's, it's just being ignorant. Like, I don't know what it is, but just, you know, that tough man mentality. I, I never was sick. I never had anything go wrong, and anything that I right. did surgery for was self-inflicted, you know. So, I just, you know, my wife's an OR nurse, and she, you know, she, she's seen it all. And um, once I've heard that, though, I, you know, I just kind of just fell apart. Said, so, you know, it's the last person I thought would ever get cancer was me. Right. And uh, so, you know, but, and so we uh, beat it, though, I think. And um, yep. 
just incredible doctors and nurses out there in Dallas and here and like I said the the people that contacted me that you know from all over the country that that just you know that, that was part of the cure I think actually yeah there's two uh, different groups of uh, his good friends that made shirts for him the first one uh, said uh, forged by Hess and we all took pictures of us all around the you know I took it I, I was with my son at Texas State and Caleb actually uh, had the idea he goes hey when I take my picture for my uh, signing day for Texas State I want to take another another one in front of the Texas State sign that has my uh, forged by Hess deal to it so that's what we did as a family and really cool moment that people did that all over really all over the state of texas wherever they were at they took that picture and then they we all sent it to him at the exact same time telling coach how much we love him and everything and then the other group of uh, people who made a shirt uh main, mainly a good friend of mine doug star he put one on there that says on the back of it too ugly for cancer so <laughs> lots of different uh, ways that people express their uh Love for you, Coach, huh? Well, they, and they did a real nice video. They put them all together. It was like the, from the Spartan race. A lot of people ran the Spartan ran with those shirts on. And up to now, it's almost 4,000 views. So I thought, well, that's a that's just a you know a testament to people, you know, and, yeah. and friends. And What is it like being on that side of it, Coach? You've always been the guy since I've known you. And you and I have been good friends these last uh, for the last decade or so. And it's been interesting. You've always been the guy that uh, helped, like uh, we've talked about, how to interview here with Joseph, the young uh, athlete you have that can't move half of his body, and you train him every day. You're always the guy that's looking out for the other person who's had the injury, that's had the disability, that maybe has had you know, a, a rough patch in their life, and they're trying to get back in shape, and you're the one training them. What was it like being on the other side of that, being the guy that's being oh. reciprocated, that, that all's being pointed towards you, that love and that uh, gratitude? It's, it's still so humbling. I mean, it, it, I just, like I said, it, it was a shock to me, and just, uh, it's, it's hard. It's very hard to take that and and knowing and knowing that you have it now, then you know you know the people that have had it in the past and haven't pa- you know, passed away from it, and you just think, man, this is just not. I'm, it was a complete shock, complete shock. The good news is is that uh, when they did the prostate cancer, they take it out. It was uh, luckily inside the uh, prostate still the cancer, and it hasn't broke through. The uh, initial tests are all negative. You're in the early stages of everything being told is clear so tell us about uh, your new lease on life and uh, how it changed your outlook i tell you what every day is a big day you know I, i've always been a one day at a time guy and, and now it's even more important to me to just to sit back and say hey i you know and you know i don't know, enjoy every day that you have and you know and, and spread that out to everybody else it was just you know the feeling you have just you're just so lucky you know and it's yeah. just i was i was just pure luck because he said, if I wouldn't have gone in and let it go, I probably had four years. It was so aggressive that you could mm. see it on the walls of the prostate. He, he showed us the prostate, and he said, "Here it is, right here. This, you know, you're this far from going out and spreading everywhere." Hey, we're talking to Coach David Hess here with the uh, head strength and conditioning coach, the strength and conditioning coach, legendary across the country, but uh, especially here at the Forge, where we're, our radio uh, studio comes from. And Coach Hess, uh, you know, being a strength and conditioning coach, uh, I did I didn't notice any uh, less difficult strength and conditioning programs because I'm one of your your workout guys that I think they've all gotten harder. What's the deal, man? Okay, that's another change <laughs> I've made. <laughs> it's called payback. <laughs> but no, but yeah, and it's going to get harder. I mean, because I, I think that, uh, like I said, every day just go and get it. You know, the best yeah. you can, as much as you can, just do it. And it's just a it's a new lease on life for me. It's a whole new game to look at with, look at things. They say you've gotten soft, you know, and your sarcasm is gone. I said, that takes three weeks, not two. That takes three weeks to get back. <laughs> I didn't see any of that, man. So Holy I'll, cow. I'll get that back. I'm going to get that back. And uh, they've always, they said, you're too nice now. What did the doctor take out? I said, I, I can't tell you everything. But, yeah, it's a new lease on life. And it, I look at things so differently now than I did before. 
Hey, Ferris, before he left, before he left for prostate cancer, so he's having cancer, he's having surgery, before he left, he wrote out all the workouts for his entire time he was gone. I mean, he wrote those out for the entire class, man. What an amazing guy. So, Ferris, you have any questions for Coach Hess? Yeah, well, I was going to ask him, but you kind of answered if, if, if it made you a kinder, gentler uh, with, 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 your, uh, with your trainees that you have there. But it sounds like you're still, uh, hey, uh, change your life, new lease on life, change maybe your attitude stuff, but – if you come in to work out with Coach S, we're still getting after it. That's right. That, they need to know that, but I'm still going to be nice to them this time. I won't talk as bad about them. <laughs> even Doug Starr, who wrote even the uh, Too Ugly Star. for Cancer t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Even him. I was nice to him this whole week. <laughs> so, yeah. We'll see how long that lasts. Yeah, we'll I'll wait this week. Just, just this week. <laughs> yeah. I can tell uh, for all of us, for those who don't know Coach S, he's one of those guys you just don't expect uh, the word cancer uh, to affect. He's a guy that's uh, bigger than life and uh, stronger than a uh, a bear, and you just don't. When you hear the words cancer, you just realize that everybody it can hit anybody in anywhere, anytime. So, hey, Coach S, you're you're a football guy. Um, we were talking about it earlier on the show. I don't know if you got a chance to look at it, but a guy got ejected the other night for for targeting a quarterback's head on a slide. I don't know if you pay attention to that stuff anymore or not. But, yeah. I mean, I mean, what do you, what do you think about all of that? Uh, the rules, how these defensive players are having to be careful about how they sack the quarterback. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I just know it's you know the, the games have, the points have gotten a lot higher in the games now because they can't hit them. I, I think yeah. they've gone probably too far with that. You know, your quarterback's a player too. Um, back in the day, they didn't. You know, they were no rules like that. I, I don't know. I don't. I think they've gone way too overboard with the. You know, Clay Matthews is a good example. Some of the ones he got targeted with a couple weeks ago, and it changed the whole game. You know, it changes yeah. the game. Yeah, the pendulum does seem like it swung to the uh, to the safety side of things now, where maybe it was too far over when in our era when we played, but. Hey, Coach Hess, I want to say thank you for coming on uh, Docs and Jocks. You've got a big you. uh, fanship here that loves listening to you. You've been on probably our, our – you and Coach Keeling, two of my favorite people on the planet, <laughs> have probably been our most uh, frequent guests here on Docs and Jocks. But this is a hard topic to talk about. It's hard to yeah. – I know you uh, very personally, and uh, I know you don't like talking about yourself. You're a very humble individual. But if it can help anybody else out there, go get the test, man. If you need a uh, PSA test, it's a simple prostate test that you go out and you check for it. It's the one of the most frequent can- cancers in males. And uh, kind of like breast cancer equivalent in uh, females. So go out and get the test and see. Catch it early like uh, early enough, luckily, like Coach Hess did. And uh, give yourself and your family a, a new lease on life. So, Coach Hess, thanks for being on the show. Love Thank you, big you. guy. And, uh, man, I look forward to the new Appreciate workouts it. with a new man. And <laughs> It's awesome. Get ready. Thanks, All right. Coach. And we'll be right back huh? with more Docs and Jocks after this short commercial break. to Docs and Jocks, brought to you in part by Abilene Sports Medicine, Hardin-Simmons University, and Lawrence Hall Chevrolet. Touchdown. Now back to more Docs and Jocks with Dr. Dan and Ferris. Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks. This is your sports medicine show. My name is Dr. Dan, my co-host each week, Ferris Potter, the voice of Grand Canyon University. Man, that was a really great, awesome interview we cut with Coach David Hess. If you ever missed that or any of our wonderful interviews we've had here on Docs and Jocks, you go back and listen to those by going to docsandjocks.com. Ferris, I thought that was very telling, Coach Hess. He is not a guy that likes uh, the limelight on himself, and uh, but I think it was worth it because it just goes to show you anybody, no matter how good of an athlete you are, then you know you need to get checked and find out if you do have a cancer that can be preventable if caught early, and that's uh, the great point of Coach Hess's uh, story. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, good for his wife to yes. tell him to go get tested. You know, it, it, it's I mean on a much lesser scale, similar to me. You know, with my groin being like, yeah, no, it'll be fine. I'm not going to mess with it. But on a much bigger scale, him, you know, having it in the family and not even going anywhere and just being like. Hey, I mean, guys tend to do that, right? Because it's a pain. You go see your doc. You got to do this stuff. Hey, you know. Yeah. Everything's going to be fine. 
Yeah. Most cancers, if caught early, melanoma is a very common one that uh, can kill you at a young age. If it's caught early, you can have it taken off, and it doesn't uh, give you long-term problems. If you're caught late, it's very, very difficult to fight. Uh, prostate cancer is another one. Breast cancer, there's screenings for for women. If caught early, most of the time, you can uh, live through it. If caught late, it's very difficult, a long, hard fight to go through. So, yeah, no, definitely if you have symptoms or signs or symptoms or feel like you have a mole that's changing color, a lump in your breast, uh, changes in urination, or, uh, you know, you have a strong family history of prostate cancer, go get those things checked and found out and, and prevent it, man. And it, it, it affects all different ages. So, yeah, there's no, no time to be too, uh, too early to go out and do a screening so that's that's a great great story from coach he's S. one of a kind too on. there's like yes there's no replacement for coach s so no. you lose coach s and it's like you, you just lose coach s it's the a world zero lost, game for that well, one yeah the world just lost a uh, great <laughs> never in, met anybody like individual. that dude, nobody I've never even met him but i've never talked to any dude like that before and the stories are legendary they are legendary and that's why he's called the legend man i mean he's been doing this for a long time and had a lot of success people love him it's the relationships it's all about so yeah definitely a and guy. the dance moves yeah, yeah, that's uh, true too. He did the uh, he had social media went viral, uh, him doing the Kiki dance. I believe it was called. Uh, yeah, was he was... just auditioning for uh, a Dancing Stars Abilene? Like I don't know you were on? I don't know Dancing Stars. Uh, you know, he's had a knee replacement, so I'm not sure that's in his uh, long term best interest. But the Kiki dance, he was good with that. And you can go to that. That's go, pretty good. Yeah, go to David Hess. I think believe it's on our Docs and Jocks, or maybe on the Forge Abilene's uh, website. You can go watch the Coach Hess do the Kiki dance and. Uh, there's a little treat for you at the end, what Coach Hess does. So pretty, pretty awesome. Hey, before uh, know what it was. our segment we have with Coach Hess, uh, we were talking about some of the uh, injuries we've seen with uh, Texas Tech and how Alan Bowman has had a recurrent injury. Now he's had two partially collapsed lungs uh, that have happened twice this season. And would you let somebody go back out on the field once they've had a near-catastrophic injury occur on the field? Would you let them go back? And uh, I'll give you an ex- uh, for instance. So I had a player – he was a star player for a local high school team that I was uh, taking help and take care of, and he came to see me. And he had been on the field. He had been hit. And when he had been hit, he had a transient, what you know, short-lived uh, quadriparesis, which means he couldn't move his arms or legs for a period of time, for just a short period of time. It was like 30 seconds to a minute. I'm sure if it was him, it probably felt like it was a lot longer. And uh, we had done an MRI on his, uh, on his uh, cervical spine and found that he, had a, a, he was born with a condition that made the cervical canal very narrow, narrower than it should be. We call that cervical stenosis, and it was congenital, so he's born with it. And so his family was saying, well, he doesn't have any symptoms now. Can he go back out and play again? And I was like, well, here's, if I had just seen this and he had not had that happen to him on the field, you know, we might get another opinion. We might look into this. We might take the chance. But he has had the near life-altering quadriparesis, a spinal cord injury where he couldn't move his arms and legs, he had it on the field already. So for me to say I'm going to allow you to go back when you know there's an increased incidence of that happening just from the measurement of his spine on an MRI, that's one thing. But to know he's had that narrowed spine and he has had an on-field event where he had had the bad near catastrophic injury, my answer is no. I, w- I would not. I'm not going to be the guy that clears you medically to play. And, and he was mad at me, and I'm I'm okay with that, man. I mean, I'd rather have a young, you know, 16, 17 year old football player mad at me than dealing with a young 16, 17 year old football player who no longer is able to move his limbs and is, you know, going to have a spinal cord injury the rest of his life. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's my one instance of having a rare injury that's happened on the field. Come see me as a physician now. The lung one with the Alan Bowman, I'm not an expert enough in that field to tell you, but he's had it twice happen now to him. He's had it 
early in the season, tried to come back after he had no symptoms, had it recur. I don't know. I don't know. If me as a physician, it might be a very difficult call, and, and I'm going to leave it up to the experts who deal in that field. That's called pulmonologists to see what they say. But, yeah, no, that's that's my experience. But what do you think, Fierce? Uh, it's it's sometimes not always cut and dry, is it? Yeah. No, it's not. That, that one especially, I mean – it is tough to tell a kid, what, 18, 19, 20 years old, hey, your dreams, you know, it's done yeah. uh, for, for medical issues. You know, not even that you're not good enough, just, hey, medical issues, and you might have been good enough to move yeah. to the next level, you know. So that's a tough one. I mean, you hear the stories about guys saying, you know, screw it, I don't care, I'm going to go for it, and they're fine. But you also hear the stories about guys saying, no, I'm going to keep going, and they die on the on, on the field, you know. Yeah. And so Guys who will doctor shop until they find the doctor that allow them to go back. Yeah. I believe that's the yeah. – uh, was that Reggie Lewis, I believe, found a doctor that would finally let him go back yeah. and play, and he ended up dying. Doctors so. advised Hank Gathers not to play, but they didn't. They they cleared him, I guess. They didn't. They didn't tell him he couldn't, but they said, "Hey, you probably shouldn't." And he, you know, he died on the on the floor. Yeah, very very sad and tragic when it does yeah. happen. Hey, speaking of a guy who's back out on the field again, uh, Des Bryant, the uh, Cowboys veteran wide receiver, who really said he was waiting to come back with another team until he was fully healed. Well, he must be full being. Uh, Feeling his oats now because through all the multiple injuries with ankle and feet and different injuries he had had, he is now back playing again for the uh, New Orleans Saints. And so he's going to be set to be catching passes from uh, Drew Brees, who's getting ready to pass Brett Favre on the all-time touchdown list. So anyway, so good to hear Des Bryant's back. Well, why is it? Yeah, that is cool. I mean, I, I wondered why he wasn't playing. I think he can be a really good slot receiver, big body, that type of stuff. Doesn't have quite the speed to be outside anymore. But why, why do we never talk about Drew Brees as one of the greatest of all time? Like, he's not even I, on the short list. I think because he hasn't won the big one yet, right? Has he won? A, has he won oh, they a, won one. No, they, they won, won one. Yeah, one. I don't know then. I don't know. The, yeah, in for, the targeting I even forgot about that. A, yeah. I don't Back know when why. you could hit a quarterback as much as you wanted. They won it in that year. And it's always one of those teams, too. He's always good, and I never realize how good they are until the playoffs occur. Like <laughs> like last year with the um, Miracle in Minneapolis, you know. I mean, the yeah. Saints were that good, but I really hadn't even talked to them oh, yeah, all year Yeah, they had that long. game won, right? Yeah. Yeah, they had that game won, and if it wasn't for just a crazy great play and, a you know, some luck – it never, it never would have happened. But yeah, it's, it's funny. I never think of him that way. I would think of right to me the guys playing right now. It's like, oh, is Brady better than Rodgers? That type of stuff. Oh, is Elway the best? Is Montana the best? It's, you have that short list, but you never talk about Drew Brees. And you just mentioned it. he's going to pass. I mean, Brett Favre. His, oh, yeah. his passing yards are unbelievable. unbelievable. And he's like what six foot tall, six foot one. I mean, yeah, he's not a big guy. Yeah, yeah. He's just really, really good. Yeah, got uh, released uh, when uh, with the San Diego Chargers. Pars- possibly due to a few different injuries he had, but got released by the Chargers, and the Saints picked him up for basically minimal to nothing. And, man, has he ever been a good pickup for the yeah, uh, they, Saints? Yeah, they had to choose between him and and, and uh, Phillip Rivers, yeah. you know, because they drafted Rivers, and you're right, he had those injuries, and they're like, yeah, no, we'll take the big guy. And Rivers yeah. is a great quarterback, too, but Breeze has, you know, had much more success. But, yeah, good that Dez is back. Hey, um, real quick, boy, the Dallas Cowboys, I know they oh. lost, but they look like they look like – a different offense with Amari Cooper in there, man. Yeah, he did do well. Uh, he uh, he looks like he's got a new uh, breath of life. You know, sometimes a, a scenery change is good for somebody. But the one thing the Cowboys cannot continue to get away from is the Sean Lee injuries that he yeah. had. You know, he won the best middle linebackers maybe in the NFL ever had he stayed healthy. But Sean Lee is going to go down, and I think the record books is a guy who was a really good linebacker with a lot of great potential who had a few good years who is going to be known as a guy that was oft injured and uh, not on the field. He's going to lose – an entire season to just solely hamstring injuries. He's missed 13 games already. They're saying he's going to be out four to six more games uh, with uh, this injury, so it's going to put him over an entire season of hamstring injuries. 
I, you know what I think is interesting too. I mean, I'm, I'm from afar. I'm not a Cowboys fan, but um, I, I heard some guys, some talking heads saying, Oh, should the Cowboys move on from Dak Prescott? Is he proving he's just not the guy? And that was that rookie year was just an anomaly. I'm like, I, no, he had a good offensive line. Then if you don't have people blocking, it doesn't matter who you are. We've seen Tom Brady struggle when they couldn't block for him. You know, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is about the only guy I know who can still run up numbers without a great offensive line. I'm like, what are you going to, I mean, I just thought it was, I thought it was asinine. Maybe, I don't know if people in Texas are talking about that or not, but I thought, why would you move on from Dak Prescott? He, he needs some help. He needs yeah. a better <laughs> offensive yeah. line. Yeah. No matter who you bring in, they're not going to do any better. It's not his fault. I didn't think, I mean, I know he's trying to force things. He's trying to make plays and making some mistakes, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I was shocked. They were it's, even talking. It, about it's some that. fickle fans, man. I'm telling you, because uh, Dak Prescott, a couple of years ago when he was doing what he was doing while Tony Romo was trying to come back from his uh, injury was uh, going to be the next greatest quarterback of all time. So it is amazing how quickly uh, you go from being the greatest to being on the hot seat. It never, you gotta have never time, is. man. Yeah. You gotta have time. And you gotta have some talent around you to catch the balls you throw up there. Hey, big story in the sports medicine world. And I thought we could talk about this uh, from a couple different standpoints. Uh, Ex-Viking defensive tackle Sharif Floyd is done playing football. That's because of an uh, injury, but he has now filed a $180 million lawsuit against uh, Dr. James Andrews and the Andrews mm. Institute. Dr. James Andrews, who's been on the show, by the way, you can listen to that interview at, if you go to docsandjocks.com, one of the premier sports medicine physicians in the world. Uh, he is now being sued because of alleging surgery uh, gone wrong. Floyd alleges that he suffered a debilitating muscle and nerve damage from administration of a post-op pain blocker. So I, th- I don't know anything about this case, so I'm not going to talk about the specifics of it. But I just want to reinforce the fact that there is no surgery that is without complication. In other words, I, I'm sorry, without risk of complication. And uh, mm-hmm. I think nowadays, because uh, surgeons are so good and they do such a great job, it's, they've almost created a little bit of a, uh, of a beast out there that everybody expects if you have an injury, you're going to have a surgery, it's going to go perfectly well, and you're going to be back playing like you were previously. We see that with Tommy John surgeries. Hear people saying, well, you need to get a Tommy John surgery, you'll be throwing faster when you come back. Mm-hmm. That's just nonsense. There is always a risk, an intrinsic risk, when you put someone under the knife. Dr. Jack Houston, the most famous sports medicine physician in the world at the time, he is the father of sports medicine. That's who I trained with. That's who Dr. Andrews trained with. Dr. Jack Houston one time uh, told a uh, patient who came in, flew in from Ohio to see him down in Georgia, and I was sitting there in the room with him, and the patient um, presented. Dr. Ex- Dr. Andrew, or, uh, Dr. Houston always did a thorough examination, looked over all the imaging studies, talked to the patient afterwards, before and afterwards. He sat down with the patient and said, well, here's what your condition is. I think if you'll do a rehabilitation program, I'll write that out specifically for you, that you will get better. The patient was uh, somewhat mystified that she had flown all the way from Ohio down to Georgia to talk to the greatest sports medicine orthopedic surgeon of all time, and he wasn't going to do orthopedic surgery on her and recommended a non-surgical approach. And so his reply to her after he let her vent for a while on him was, uh, he said, ma'am, I just want to let you know, there is no condition that I can't make worse with surgery. Mm-hmm. And he went on to explain that no matter how small the risk is, there is always a risk of doing a surgery, no matter if it's in the best hands, uh, like Dr. Jack Houston or like Dr. James Andrews, there is always a risk of complication. So don't risk the fact, or don't run the risk of rushing into surgery because you want a, quote, fixed. That's maybe my least favorite term in all of sports medicine. When people come into me and they say, I just want it fixed. Well, <laughs> 
there is there is there's good and bad to that. Yeah, there are some great surgeons that can cause have you do a surgery and you can have a great outcome. But don't if there is a chance of you doing something non-surgically helping you get better, don't rush into the surgical route just because it is a quote fix unquote. So just a little word for the weary out there who uh, want to rush into surgery. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's because we've gotten, you guys have gotten so good at it and the successes are so well thought of and talked about. So everybody thinks, oh, I'll just get it done. But, um, you know, it, there's always that chance. And we and there are plenty of guys in Major League Baseball who had the Tommy John and didn't recover from it exactly, or, and, and yeah. aren't, aren't throwing as well and aren't even in baseball anymore. That's what Tommy John, who actually anymore. we interviewed here on the show, the Tommy John, who the surgery's named after, said the other two guys who had it after him, the uh, outcome wasn't good. So. Anyway, hey, yeah. we'll be talking about that and more here in our last segment on Docs and Jocks. We appreciate you, uh, you all being our listeners. If you ever want to go back and listen to an entire segment you might have missed, you can go to docsandjocks.com or catch us on iTunes, Docs and Jocks, D-O-X-N-J-O-X. We'll be right back with your sports medicine radio show, Docs and Jocks. You're listening to Docs and Jocks, brought to you in part by Joe Walker State Farm Insurance, Visual Edge, and Texas Sport and Spine. Touchdown. Now back to more Docs and Jocks with Dr. Dan and Ferris. Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks. Man, we're so glad to have you for our entire show, our entire two-hour show. Remember, if you uh, want to follow us anytime, anywhere, you can do so by going to docsandjocks.com as well as follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're at Docs and Jocks, D-O-X-N-J-O-X. Great to have you with us. Hey, Ferris, I thought we could close our last segment. There's two instances this week where uh, coaches were unaware of what their players were doing. Uh, Knicks coach David Fisdale, he came out and said that Kristen Porzingis, Kristaps Porzingis, his star player was uh, uh, after his ACL uh, rupture was not yet running or sp- not yet sprinting, and so Christian Kristaps Por- Porzingis uh, texted out on social media him running sprints. So his coach had no sure. idea. But this comes right after they did not give him the rookie extension, making Porzingis a, ro- a free agent up this off, off, upcoming uh, free a free agent this upcoming off season. So that was one, uh, and the other one was the Jags head coach in the NFL, uh, Doug Marzone, uh, learned from reporters that at a press conference that his star cornerback, A.J. Boye, was not going to be uh, playing and had called himself uh, ineligible to play this uh, game coming up, to uh, which Marone uh, said, well, that's news to me. So there uh, <laughs> appears to be a little uh, confusion somewhat on the uh, when people can play and what they're doing in the rehab based on what coaches know as opposed to what's reality. That's the crazy thing about social media, no, Nat, you know immediately now. Yeah, Porzingis, I guess, wanted to let everybody know. Who yeah. knows if the, if, the, if the coach didn't know or if he was trying to make it seem like the guy wasn't going to be ready or whatever, but it's not odd. That's why you never listen to a coach when they get up at the podium right after a game or any time, and they go, oh, give us a feedback on so-and-so's injury. You know, it's yeah. like, uh, yeah, that's probably not the best to listen yeah. to. Yeah, and it was interesting, the timing of the Knicks one, because Porzingis, who uh, has been their star player, they they just determined that they were going to decline his rookie extension. So probably had a little bit to do about the finances and the business side of basketball, don't yeah. you think? Yeah. So. Yeah, I would think so. He's a, he's a pretty legit player. And Ferris, just real quick, what's the only reason they have an injury report in the NFL again? What's the only reason? Gambling. Gambling. <laughs> that's what we say here on the, on the Gotta show. Gotta get so. the line set, baby. <laughs> yeah, for, for all of other uh, more conspiracies and what Ferris has uh, talked about and conspiracies all throughout NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, always tune into Docs and Josh to get all that. Hey, we love having you be our guests each week, man. We love our uh, listening audience here on Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine uh, show. Thanks for making us one of the fastest-growing uh, podcasts out there, too. Remember, you can go to iTunes, Docs and Jocks, D-O-X-N-J-O-X. Listen to our show anytime, anywhere. You don't want to miss the interview we did with 
with Dr. Bobby Brown this week. Go catch that and more. Hey, for myself, Dr. Dan, and Ferris, we'll see you all next week here on Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show.